Hi, everybody. My name is Brent Olson. I'm one of the co-directors of the Institute for Mountain Research here at Westminster College. Um, our aim at the Institute is to foster a mountain community, to tell mountain stories, and to share the learning we've done about mountains, to share other people's work and play in those mountains. I'm here today with Jeff Nichols, my co-director. Hi there. Um, Jeff is a history professor here at Westminster, and this week's episode is going to be a reflection on the big, long, semester-long road trip we took across the American West with 14 students and one program assistant in the fall of 2017. Mostly it'll be a, a series of student reflections. I asked a number of our students uh, what their vivid memories were, what they learned in the course of the trip, and who has had a lasting impact on their lives. And ultimately, since we're doing this again in the fall of 2020, I asked them what their advice would be to the next cohort of students going on the trip. We'll let the students introduce themselves and share what they had to say. We'll also have some of our own reflections along the way as well. I uh, hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm Josie Stedich. I'm a senior studying environmental science. Uh, my name is Alex Bachner. I graduated December of 2018. So this is Sarah Rota. Uh, my name is Bridger Layton. And I graduated in May and then got a staff position in the Environmental Center at Westminster. My title's Program Coordinator, and I do a lot of work with students on sustainability projects on campus. My name's Eliza. I'm living in Salt Lake City. I am a junior at Westminster College, and I'm very excited to graduate. <laughs> My name is Madeline Hummel, and I am a junior studying environmental studies. And I work in the organic garden. Yeah, I'm Brett Carroll. Uh, I work, I, I think, freelance outdoor education is the best way to describe what I do. Uh, at this point, I work a lot for a company called Knowles and then also a lot for uh, Westminster. And on the expedition, I got to be uh, the program assistant. So my role was to help facilitate like a smooth expedition logistically, kind of help the group uh, work well together. And yeah, just like facilitate things in a way that uh, let students pull as much from the experience as they could. One of my most memorable moments from the Westminster Expedition would definitely have to be probably our first day in Yosemite National Park. We got the opportunity to kind of explore and do whatever we wanted. And so I chose to do the um, Yosemite Valley Loop Trail, which is like 13 miles just around the valley. And it was just a really awesome experience um, for a couple of reasons. The first was because probably for the very first time I was by myself, which being around everyone was so awesome, but it was really cool just to take a moment and kind of marinate in everything that we've been learning and reflect on what we'd seen and people we talked to. So it was kind of neat to just kind of be by myself and in thought for a little bit. It was also just amazing to, as an environmental studies major, you read so much and hear all these stories of Yosemite and John Muir and Hetch Hetchy and just the history behind it and conservation and preservation of land and um, just being there and physically present in such a place that holds this immense historical and cultural value was incredible. And that was my first time going there. So um, it was so special. And the last thing was the hike kind of 
crossed with a couple of paths that led up to El Capitan. And so I remember just kind of scrambling up one trail and not really knowing where I was. And then just looking up and being face to face with this enormous granite wall. And I ended up just laying down on the ground and putting my feet up to the granite and looking up and just for a moment, kind of ugly crying, not really knowing what was going on. And then just feeling so at peace for probably the first time in such a long time. You know, you, we talk about so many big issues and problems and hear all these stories of people trying to get justice and recognition and uh, save land and protect things. And I think on the expedition, it was amazing, but also it can be very overwhelming to hear all these stories. But um, just kind of being present in that valley and looking at this ginormous rock that holds so much value culturally, historically, and all the stories that and everything that it's seen over the years was, I mean, just so, I mean, it, I can't describe it. I just felt so at peace for the first time, just thinking, you know, how sturdy and steadfast, um, you know, that big granite wall was and thinking, for the first time, you know, everything I think is going to be okay. And it's okay if we don't have all the answers. That's totally fine. You know, right now I just need to sit back and look up and take it all in and not worry. There are definitely a lot of things that come to mind, but one of the most vivid memories is when we were all in Twisp, Washington and harvesting a whole bounty of crops that were all beautiful and then we all went and like cooked a beautiful dinner together and ate everything that we had just harvested and that's just a memory I like to think about and it's still very vivid in my mind. Kitchen Fest 1. I have to say my most vivid memory um, was going through the Grand Coulee Dam. Um, Really impactful for understanding the supplies and input that goes into building dams at that magnitude really getting like the full story of why we have dams despite like the impacts with rivers and the ecological kind of devastations that can happen with dams really understanding that the grand coulee dam provides a lot of power to uh, lots of residents and yeah just helps with the energy needs there seeing how big of an operation it is really opened my eyes to how dams like have become such a a big part of uh, the United States uh, river systems. Okay, my most vivid memory, this is cliche and it's not, it doesn't seem very profound, but I think it's got to be climbing Half Dome because it's something I've wanted to do for years and also the vividness was full body because it really hurt. but just the giant landscapes you've only read about getting to see them in real life for the whole day it was an entire day hike what time did we wake up we woke up in the dark yeah woke up in the dark came back in the dark I was like so angry when we were coming down just (laughs) from pain but we were basically the only people up there besides one 
British man who joined us because he was afraid of bears. That is a very difficult thing to narrow down. Probably the place I could put myself most easily is uh, sitting up at the base of the last climb up Half Dome um, in the sun and Yosemite with a small group. There, there were uh, three of you. Um, Brett Carroll and Brent and Naomi uh, Shapiro, who climbed to the top. Um, and the rest of us sat there uh, waiting for you and talking and just hanging out. Um, there was something about that after, after a pretty difficult long climb uh, to sit there and rest and look around. That was just, it was just a wonderful atmosphere. Um, we met a guy, <clears throat> who was coming from from Great Britain and he ended up climbing up and we we talked to him for a while um there's just something about that little group that I I remember very vividly there were there were a few things that came to mind in sort of thinking about this ahead of time one of which was in the Cascades we rolled into North Cascades National Park and got out of the car and took just a deep breath in like the freshest air I've ever smelled, you know? And so that, that moment was really wonderful. But then at that same campsite, I was a little bit behind on my schoolwork, not too far, but a little bit. And some folks were going on a hike, yourself included. I was, you know, sort of felt like I should stay back, felt like I should get caught up on my work. And, uh, and my professor yourself, Brent Olson, <laughs> turns to me and he's like, Bridger, you've got your whole life to read books. <laughs> Come on a hike. And so I did. And it was an amazing hike and an amazing landscape that was just a little bit different than any other landscape I'd been in. Because you sort of started out hiking up through really beautiful forests with really big trees, but then emerge into the high alpine and um, have views of you know beautiful jagged peaks and glaciers and um, so it was a really phenomenal experience, and then I came back and got my stuff done, and it you know everything worked out. And so I think I learned in that sort of in the, in that moment that for my own happiness, um, that taking the time to get out and go actually experience places that matter to me is really important, and hopefully will continue to help drive the work side of things as well. Right, that um, connecting to those places that I care about gives me a reason to, to work in the environmental field. I think my most, among my most vivid, important memories was uh, when we got to, to Little Bighorn and we had some time to kill while we were trying to figure out where our guide was going to be and we were waiting for some other people to show up. And so we sent students off to explore the graveyard, sort of as one does, go look at graves. Um, and Alex went off and found um, found a grave of somebody old elk mm -hmm. and uh, we were all starting well jeff and i were off in the visitor center or something we were nowhere around by the time we got back he had already sent a text message to hunter old elk who had been our tour guide in the native american portion of the uh, western museum in cody and she had gotten back and explained that it was a relative and told this whole story and it was a super fascinating story and the thing that struck me is that while on one hand it felt like these sites we were visiting were discrete sites separated by long travel times in the van, 
it was so exciting to see students starting to connect dots already right away um, and to make those connections across the West. And that I, I don't know if, if I had any right to feel proud, but I felt super proud of our students for doing that work. I, I think my most vivid, vivid memory was hiking up to Half Dome uh, with a, a few members from our group. Uh, it, it's just like an exceptionally beautiful place. And I, I do feel like uh, Yosemite is kind of the like one of the few like most significant crown jewels in our like uh, national park system and like uh, public land system in general. It just felt a really cool opportunity to get to do that uh, as part of the semester and like as part of an entire an entire semester traveling around the West uh, and exp- yeah, that landscape. I think I can pick a vivid memory because, like I said, they're all equally super vivid. But the one that came to my mind first was when we went to the Ho Rainforest. Because I remember, like, I was wearing a baseball cap that day, and I literally had to, like, turn it around because all I was doing was looking straight up at those trees that were towering above us and just constantly I was turning around, turning my neck, just, I was so overwhelmed by the fact that we were in a rainforest in the United States, and it was just so incredibly beautiful and just so eerie, too. At the same time, you felt like very close to nature to the point you were like, you know, I'm in nature. It's in control. <laughs> I'm a little nervous, but it's okay because it's super awesome. And that was like one of the craziest things I'd ever seen was just being in the whole rainforest. It was so beautiful. Um, so that's definitely one of the most vivid memories. There's countless others. I think the, the most significant learning from the trip just kind of came in talking to so many Native American elders and storytellers. That felt like a portion of the curriculum that I really appreciated. It's something that I think doesn't get nearly enough attention uh, in our school system and was something that I uh, was not especially educated about before uh, we started traveling. And I think talking to different indigenous people in a lot of different portions of the West, like from different tribes and backgrounds, uh, felt really cool as well. And just like hearing how their stories are similar and also how they're different. Yeah, I mean, I guess like the one biggest learning from that is probably the the modern culture of modern Native American culture and the struggles that a lot of that those folks are dealing with in terms of like maintaining their identity and maintaining their culture in a world that uh, doesn't do a whole lot to support that. Being uh, aware of my resource usage on the expedition, I think there's a really low baseline of what what things we needed since we were spending a lot of time camping and not needing a lot of input for energy, being very aware of our water usage and making sure that we had like water when we needed it and then trying to keep our food fresh and uh, filled for feeding uh, all 17 of us. Coming back into the front country, I think I've been much more aware of my shower usages, food choices for sure, and then just really thinking about when I'm going to use uh, washer dryer, driving my car. I think I've really tried to cut down and use more uh, like walking and biking, use green transportation like that. Really trying to um, be intentional about being like able to adapt to wherever I am. I think that was a a big uh, challenge at first on the expedition is 
having uh, very different places where we would be and uh, constantly moving, constantly having uh, changing days, just having a, a flexible mindset to uh, trips and places I'm going and uh, not holding on to anything that may not be accessible in certain places. I think that one of the main things that I've taken with me is just thinking about perspectives of things and who you're talking to and who you're talking about or what you're talking about. And a lot of times I had one idea in my mind and then took a step back and thought about what other ways that this idea could be perceived. And the expedition and the people I met definitely implemented that way of thinking to me. Uh, I think the main thing was, and something that I, I hope students kind of got, and I, I think they did, was this notion that it's all part of the, every, everything about the trip is part of the learning of the trip. Looking at the way that the shape of uh, hay bales in a given place, are they square, are they rectangular, are they the great big uh, round ones? Things like that are reflected, uh, uh, reflect technology, reflect local uh, cultural pra practices, obviously the kinds of uh, machines that people use, uh, uh, silos, the, the, the kind of stuff especially that the, uh, the Bill Wickoff book I think was so good on. These sort of short, how, how to read a landscape, but it's not just the, you know, the natural contours, but this is what a mining town might look like. This is what a, you know, a, a railroad town might look like. This is what a farming town might look like. And to do that as we drove along, you know, just this, this process constantly unfolding that sometimes it was uh, the conversations we had in the van and sometimes it was speakers we had all had some worth, it all had some uh, meaning that we could collect, that, that collectively made up the, the expedition. The indigenous people we spoke to were, that was the most profound experience that has lent itself most up until now, like in my academic work and where I find myself going into in like climate justice and environmental policy that's a theme that it keeps returning to. So I'm really grateful that I got to speak to those people all across the West and have those experiences. In terms of lessons learned, I think the thing that has stuck with me is um, over and over again hearing people talk about the time and care that it took to make change. Mm. Uh, we used to joke about the number of cups of coffee it took sitting down with people in order to, to build relationship and and, and to make the kinds of change folks wanted to see. And I'm by nature a little bit of an impatient person. And so just hearing over and over again, take the time to build the relationship, take the time to build the relationship. I tell myself that just to, to step back and take that time. Yeah, the lesson that really stuck out to me, I think, since the expedition and that I think about still almost every day is that you need to listen to everybody and that everybody has a story and not just the people you want to hear from. And because, you know, going into it, I was pretty like liberal, still am, whatever. I would only hear that side of the story. I would only hear from like the activists and mostly white activists at that point in time too. And then, you know, talking to 
all those indigenous groups talking to like Randy Lewis, especially, as well as like talking to the ranchers. When we went to um, Snake Valley, when we had dinner with people whose ranching is their lives, hearing their perspectives and just in general talking to people from all different backgrounds was very eye-opening. And now when I'm like in school or just thinking about politics or life, I'm like, I really do need to consider like, I know I don't agree with what they're saying, but I need to think about what they're saying and why. It's obviously important to them for a reason. So just considering everybody's point of view, definitely giving specifically more like an indigenous voice needs to be heard. We just need to listen and be quiet for a minute. Yeah. For me, I was one of the older folks on the trip, um, being sort of my last year at Westminster. Um, most, most folks were in their, I think their second year, right? Um, and there are a few of us that were seniors. And I was a little apprehensive about that timing, being so close to the end of school and then sort of heading off campus to do this, you know, go on this cool trip. And I think the timing actually worked out really well for me because I could look at all of these places that we were driving through and all these folks that we talked to. I could sort of use them as uh, a brainstorming platform for what I might want my future to look like, right? So I was in this period of time and I'm still in this period of time where I'm trying to figure out what's next is sort of constantly on the brain. And so it was cool to see, you know, what's been next for people that are doing really cool work out, you know, in, in the real world. And so I think the timing there was good for me. And hard to say which specific pathway, you know, I'll head down. But I think that whether it be, you know, working for a land conservancy or working on developing a small community and focusing on um, sense of place as it relates to economic development, like how do you create a community that people want to live in and that also isn't really exclusive in the way that some communities in the West have been. So just a lot of things that sort of wheels that have started turning in my brain that I think will be really useful as I head down whatever career path I head down. Probably the thing that I have taken away from the Westminster Expedition um, since I've graduated, since I've started law school is um, keep fighting. Um, we encountered so many people with so many different backgrounds and stories and different goals and fights that they were encountering, whether it was um, trying to protect um, water sources or clean up rivers or protect pieces of land or bring recognition to the Japanese internment camps um, or, you know, even bring awareness to Native tribes. I mean, there are so many different stories and so many different people that are fighting different battles. And, and meeting everyone and hearing their stories was just so inspiring. And so something that I've taken away is that no matter what it is that we encounter um, and no matter what it is that we're fighting for, whether it's, you know, big or small, um, the fight is always going to be worth it in the end. And it might take a day or it might take years or a lifetime even, but no matter how long it takes, no matter what the cause is, it's, it's going to be worth it in the end. And so that's something that I have definitely taken away and tried to, um, apply and tell myself every day is that it's, it's all going to be worth it in the end, no matter what. 
Um, was there anyone in particular, any people in particular that had an impact? Randy Lewis. Randy? Randy Lewis. Randy Lewis. I bet that other people say him. Randy was just like the most powerful, like passionate person and very real. And like, the, he was just very candid with us and just told us stories about his upbringing and, you know, how he went through like the board, like the Indian boarding school and like the fact that we were literally talking to somebody that had went through that and like had experienced all of this shit (laughs) Um, was just really took me back. And I was like, wow, this is not old stuff that like this is like, it's not history. This is really current stuff. Everything he had to say was so interesting. And we were super lucky to be able to meet him. That he was definitely a great person um, to talk to. I, I guess re- related to that biggest learning, I, I think touring around the Metau Valley in Eastern Washington with Randy, uh, who is a member of the Metau tribe, felt really powerful. Like it, it was pretty cool to like have him be able to tell like, tell stories and point out features of the landscape like that they would build their villages on top of these hills because when the Columbia ice sheet was receding it would <laughs> flood the valleys in uh with these yeah just like huge torrents of water so they had to put their villages up on the hills to avoid uh them being swept away and like I mean that happened 10,000 years ago and it's pretty amazing to be in a place and talking to somebody that has that significant of like a uh connection to the landscape and like that significant of an uh, oral history in an area Randy Lewis in the Methow Valley. <laughs> um, he was really engaging and hilarious. We, I still have the voice recordings of him on my phone, and I actually listen to them sometimes. But I don't think any of us have been exposed to someone like him before because we all kind of came from privileged white backgrounds so getting to hear his story and especially the pacific northwest too because all of us are not from the pacific northwest i think so it was totally a different world and we got to hear about the landscape from his perspective rather than the four-hour tour at the grand coulee dam or three-hour excuse me randy lewis had a big impact on me i think he had a big impact on a lot of students but when we were able to spend a couple of days with him and really get his perspective on just anything we really wanted to ask him and how direct and uh, honest he was talking about things really made me understand what what it's like to be an indigenous person um, growing up in the United States. He was really inspiring about it. He definitely could focus on uh, negative things that have impacted him and his family and uh, ancestors, but he definitely has a positive outlook on uh, trying to change things and raise awareness of what's going on uh, regarding uh, tribal lands and tribal issues and um, was a great uh, great person to just set the baseline for interacting with someone that uh, before the trip, I it was a, a large demographic of people that I didn't really know uh, a lot about and was just uh, really approachable and very knowledgeable. Um, Yeah, great person. Um, Oh, I know. Uh, The person who I 
who's not going to get a mention, and I'm not even going to say his name because as he was speaking to us, he wanted us to be very clear that he did not want anything that he said out in the public um, because he was laying down some hard truths that I think would piss a bunch of the people he was working with off. And again, I, I, I really appreciate his honesty, his openness, his clarity that this was for our ears alone and no one else's. And it just makes me think again of all of the generosity of all the guest speakers that we had come talk to the class. But he in particular, I appreciated um, his frankness uh, and in some ways his risk taking in talking with a bunch of students about the stuff this person was talking about. And so I appreciate that. Probably the person I connected to the most, and maybe it was just via the opportunity of one-on-one time, was Richard Hart, who's an indigenous lawyer and has won almost every case that he's like started. Um, and that set my course to be interested in policy and law just by talking to him and hearing his story. There's a fellow named Tori Karpenko in the Methow Valley in Washington. And the way that he and the other residents of the Methow think about um, sense of place as it relates to development um, is something that I think is really interesting and could sort of see myself thinking about for many years to come. I really like the fact that they are trying to build an economy that is sustainable financially, but that they're also really careful with what that means, right? They, they live in a beautiful place and they don't want a Walmart down the street. They want, um, you know, a cool small business with someone who's building birdhouses that are based on what birds actually need or, um, you know, a woman who's making really beautiful clothing from dye that she produces from a garden next to her shop, things like that that um, are, are really cool businesses and sort of push back against this trend of, you know, bigger, better, faster, and focus more on sort of the quality of development rather than just growth for the sake of it. I'm remembering the um, the group that we uh, met with at Coeur d'Alene that talked about, that sort of laid out how incredibly complex the hydrology was, how maddeningly complex the uh, pollution issues were, the toxic waste issues were from the mining there, and how much they cared about the place, how much they had respect for and empathy for the locals who loved the lake and bragged about how beautiful and clean the lake was and the, and the state brags about the lake, but they're trying to get their uh, arms around this hellishly complicated issue of, of pollution. And I, I was struck by their, their passion, their commitment, their dedication to, to their work. And then the other one, this kind of goes back to vivid memories, um, was talking to Mary Ken, Maryboy, when he told us that story and then the wind just started like blowing in the trees. That was another one, like hearing his perspective, like, you know, every part about him, Ken, like he's indigenous and like a political leader, but he's also like, I remember him talking about he loves his ATVs and like, all of us white environmentalists tend to be like anti-ATV and he's like 
you know, I'm still very respectful and like, this is how I connect to my environment. And like, really, again, showed me that I need to listen more before I make my like beliefs or like judgments or anything. Like I need to really listen to. So those people and just everybody, all the guest speakers, I can't choose one. And then lastly, any advice for students going on an expedition fall of 2020? Just the sort of wide-ranging curiosity that, that the first group of coyotes absolutely demonstrated. Um, a little bit to, to what I was talking about with, with, you know, what I thought we learned. Always be paying attention. Always be willing to to talk to people, to ask questions to look around to say, you know, what does that mean? Uh, why are they, why, why is this going on here? Rolling with experiences, being open to, uh, uh, to, to new and different things that you weren't expecting. But that sort of open curiosity, um, willingness to work as a group and with a group and boy we had that in spades the first time i mean i thought it was such a a good group as a group as a functioning rolling bunch don't expect to shower very often and don't make a fight about it when there's only three shower tokens because there will be opportunity or a lake to swim in <laughs> going into the expedition um try and Really be as open um, and as understanding as possible. Um, there's going to be a plan and uh, people are doing things to get things going, but sometimes it may not seem that way. And so just uh, be patient um, and know that there's a lot of uh, pre-work that was done um, and you're going to get a lot out of it no matter what. Um, and then uh, really push yourself to engage with uh, anyone you can um, along the way. I think that there's a lot of great individuals that you'll come across with uh, that are planned and unplanned, um, just strangers you meet um, on the side of the street. And uh, they all have something that they may want to say. So um, give them that space and um, be as attentive and as present as possible. Um, because for me, those were the people that made the biggest impact um, is on me and uh, really understanding what life is like for them and uh, the knowledge that they've gained uh, with their time here. Pack a lot of underwear and <laughs> emergency and know when you need to go away and take alone time. Like, know yourself and your needs. The advice I would have given myself, and it may be specific to me, but I don't think so. I think it's probably applicable, is that um, you're sort of, you're in this experience with a whole bunch of other people, um, and it's really cool, and the things you're going to see are awesome, the things you're going to learn are awesome, um, and the conversations you're going to have are awesome. Um, but it was hard for me coming from being a really independent individual to sort of jump into this thing where you're inherently part of a group every single day with pretty much every action you make. And so the advice I would give is to sort of let go sooner. 
like yields yield to the flow of the trip um, and worry a little bit less about, you know, what you would be doing if you could draw up your own schedule and, you know, what you would be doing if you could plan all your own meals and, you know, sort of let go of the individual and realize that being a part of that community is really worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, I'd say advice for going on the trip would just be to, like, remain open to the experience and, like, appreciate every day. It, it can be, like, challenging to, like, have these incredible experiences day after day after day and, like, continue to be on the move pretty continuously. And I think just a little bit of perspective, like, recognizing how incredible each of these separate opportunities is, uh, is really helpful in being able to, like, look past those, like, day-to-day challenges and, like, realize that each each of these experiences by themselves is amazing and uh, not letting the fact that they're all clumped in such a high concentration diminish that uh, appreciation for them. And so my advice would probably be in terms of just the living situation and like living with a group, know that it's not going to be perfect all the time and be able to talk out your problems and like, be very open with the group is how I should put it. Be open with each other because you're living in a small community for like three months in a van or a couple of tents. And like, these are the people you're going to be surrounded with and talking about the world with. And so have good communication with everybody. It's okay if you're not friends or best friends with everybody on the trip, that even if you aren't, try to make those relationships good and it's okay if things are bad, but try to work them out. Hopefully you guys get Brett again because he was like amazing at helping us with that. And then just again, just listen. That's super important to everybody, everyone in the group, all the guest speakers, as cheesy as it sounds, like listen to the landscape, like pay attention to everything around you. Probably like my biggest regret would be like just not paying attention enough and like not being in the moment enough. Granted, I was most of the time super in the moment and like being super grateful, but it's such a unique experience. So like really absorbing it. And I still am absorbing it today. Like I think about it every day. Thanks for joining us as we think back on our days on the road in the expedition. I think we especially need to thank Alex, Eliza, Bridger, Madeline, Brett, Josie, and Sarah for agreeing to share their thoughts and memories of time on the road. We also need to thank all the students who went with us, uh, whether or not they were able to share their stories here today or not. Um, I have fond memories of all of you, those of you that are out in the world, those of you that are on campus. I'll see you soon. Um, Thanks for sharing that time. Certainly thank you to Randy and Tori, um, to Richard, to Ken, and to all the people who spent time with us, who shared our our life for a little bit while we were out exploring the West. Our theme music comes from Pixie and the Partygrass Boys. They will be playing a concert here on the Westminster campus on April 18th. They'll be playing the Westminster Climate Concert. Stay tuned for more information, including a venue, but it's set up to be a great time of music and fun and also some conversation about climate change. So that should be great. Our interlude music today was Naps. 
playing the song Memory featuring Sadaman. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great week. Uh, stay tuned for more. Thanks. Bye. Before I met you, I was a lost soul. A wanderer so far from my home. My heart was broken, my feet were so. Oh, I felt so very alone. But the mountains called my name. And they let me go embrace. You shared with me part of your home. And now together we will go. When you call my name, go on and call. Hopefully my mom doesn't hear this, but... <laughs> Um, I, I think I'm averaging about two showers a week.